We're back in a series. Uh, this is our second of three weeks. Uh, it's our back to church series that we're in for three weeks, and this is the second. Last week, uh, I thought Brenda did a great job on Together Again. I felt like uh, he just laid out a very compelling understanding you know, of, of God's design for us to be, be present with one another. And that, you know, our season where we were online and maybe continue to be online for those of you who are still online, you know, that's been a life support to us. And that's been a way to somewhat stay connected and continue to hear God's word and to sing together. Uh, maybe it's singing with our, our, our spouse in our home. But it, it was a lifeline to us. But it was never designed, something like that was never designed to be uh, the all in all of what church life is to be about because lifelines are, are really good if you, if you need support like that, but that's not the way to live our lives. The way we live our lives is, is that we're together, together again. And so as I'm speaking to our church family here in the building and some are outside, I know we have people who are, who are listening online. We're really grateful that you're here with us and we know that for those of you who are away, uh, there's, for many of you, really important reasons and good reasons why you're not able to be together. But, uh, but, um, but for those of you who could join us, uh, we would encourage you to do that because we feel like you're just going to get so much more. And you're going to experience, in a, in, in a, I, I believe, in a very powerful and real way, the manifest presence of God. I think when God's people are together, there is a presence of the Holy Spirit. There's a presence with uh, with God's people that I think you're going to experience uh, when you're together with one another. So I hope you'll join us uh, on a regular basis for that. This week we're going to be talking about compelled to serve. Compelled to serve. And I think that, you know, in our season of being kind of remote, we really didn't have the opportunities to continue to be connected in serving one another the same way. And I think that because that's how God has designed us, I think we want to look at that today because I think that that really impacts our mission. It impacts our personal lives. It impacts the lives of other people, but it also impacts our mission where God wants us to be involved in, in bringing a blessing to our community and to the world. And so we want to look at that together today. And uh, I want to start off and, and ask God to lead our time. So if you'll join me in prayer. Lord, you have given us a lifeline through COVID season, and we're grateful, Lord, for technology. We're grateful for phone calls and texts and Zooms and all those things. As much as we talk against those things, we, we were able to, to really serve one another in, in certain ways, Lord, but we are, are grateful that we have this opportunity to be together and to continue to hear your truth together. Lord, as we, as we look at this area of service, Lord, we know that we're speaking about and to the greatest servant of all. Lord, you, you humbled yourself from the highest place to the lowest, and so God has highly exalted you. You said if we want to be great, we would be servants. And if we want to be the greatest, we would be the servant of all. So Lord, as we kind of reset in this season and think about what you want us to be, uh, how you want us to live out this next season of life. We pray that you would reset our, our minds based on truth, based on your word, based on your encouragement, your example, your commands, 
And so we ask, I ask that you would lead us in this time and help me to communicate these things clearly in Jesus' name, amen. So we've talked about the new normal. You know, new normal means there used to be a way we did our lives before, and then we've had a season that we've not been able to do a lot of those things. And we've kind of, re- we've kind of set our lives and kind of gotten in habits in certain ways that we, we do things or we don't do things. And we've kind of enjoyed some of those changes. And I think some of those changes have been beneficial to our families. It's been beneficial to our health. Uh, it's been beneficial to our schedules. Uh, it's saved us on driving a lot. You know, and so there's been some things that have been very, very, very good and helpful in this, in this last COVID season. And we're still somewhat in that season, but as we're kind of coming through that season and beginning to look at the new life you know, before us, we wanna make adjustments in our lives. We don't wanna go back, especially to the old ways, but we're, there are things about the old ways that we need to bring forward and we need to, to bring those back into our lives. And some of that is, is the way we serve one another and get involved in caring for one another. But there may be ways that actually God wants to take us to deeper walk with him in a deeper way that of, 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 of really living out our Christian life. And so I wanna, I wanna at least start back in scripture because I think that as you're kind of resetting lives, it's really best to start off with what God says and not just what's, what I feel like or what I think is convenient or what helps me you know, or, or what the people around me are even doing. I think we always want to go back to God's word and say, well, Lord, do you have anything to say about these things? And so I think there's a lot that he has to say about the area of serving. And I wanna look at this section here in Romans chapter 12. But before that, I wanna let you know the big idea for our time here is this. Living for Jesus means we love and service people. If, we're gonna, if we talk about devoting our life to Jesus, it, it, has, to, it has to lead itself to us being involved with people's lives and specifically God's people, specifically his church and serving together with his church. And I wanna see that from the scriptures. But if you'll start with me in uh, Romans chapter 12, I wanna start off in verse one. And our first point here is we serve because of devotion to our savior. We serve because of devotion to our savior. When the apostle Paul was writing Romans, he was kind of giving a, a real foundation for our salvation and talking about what our condition was and how far we were from God and how unable we were to know God or to please God or to serve God. Uh, we walked through a lot of things about the Old Testament and how you know, there was a law and there was a way of the Jewish people trying to, to please God through the, through the works of the law, it seemed like. But the, the reality was the law revealed that we all fell short. And so as we read through Romans, we just cut to see kind of our, our story of how far we were from God. And when we get to chapter 11, we actually see that that God in his mercy had grafted us in to God's family. We had been grafted into his tree, so to speak. And And the Jewish people, those who had not believed, had rejected their Messiah, they were kind of taken away from that family. They were not they were not grafted into that tree so much. We're talking the nation of Israel. And he's saying, look, you know, God's gonna have mercy on Israel too as they believe they'll be grafted in as well. So we see this, this, this picture of the mercy of God to us. And so coming through chapter 11, we have chapter 12 where, where the apostle Paul says now, he's kind of moving from the, the, the theology and the, and the truth to a practical application here in chapter 12. And he says this, he said, I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God 
to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So he says, look, in light of all that God has done for you, he saved you, he, he forgave you all your sins. He sent his Holy Spirit to live inside of you. He's given you an eternal inheritance. You will be eternally with God. You, God is gonna relate to you on the basis of, of the finished work of Jesus Christ. You have, you have been brought into the family of God. And so he says, I'm appealing to you now in light of all that I've shared with you in the beginning of this book, brothers, so he's speaking to the Christians, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And we think about sacrifice, if we were thinking about the Old Testament, sacrifices were a costly thing. They were a bloody thing. They were a, they were a, a, a you know, costly, a costly thing. And death came, you know, when you had a sacrifice. And so, you know, a sacrifice in and of itself, when you think about it, that, that was, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big ass sometimes, you know, to sacrifice. But, but Paul says, look, I'm asking you in light of all that God has done to you is not just give a big gift, not just give a big sacrifice here and there. He says, I want, I'm, I'm calling you to be a living sacrifice, meaning that ongoing, there'll be sacrifice. Ongoing, there'll be cost. Ongoing, it's gonna be difficult. Ongoing, it's gonna be bloody. It's gonna mean death. It's gonna mean death. A living sacrifice means I'm available to be to, 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 to God and his purposes. And it says, give your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is holy, this is acceptable to God. And this is your spiritual worship. Your, in some translations it says, this is your rational, well-pleasing way to worship God, is to be a living sacrifice for God. And he goes on from there, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, when we think about serving God, we're gonna default to thinking about like, like the world would think about God. You know, they would think about, well, I need to kind of give God his due. I need to give God, you know, some time. I need to give God a portion. You know, I wanna, I wanna satisfy God. I want God to know that I'm, I'm committed, but I, you know, I do have a life. Don't be conformed to this world, he said, but be transformed by the renewing of your, of your, of your mind. So rather than being like the world, when, when we think about the world, we'll think about, you know, yeah, but what about my time? I mean, what about my rights? I mean, what about the fact that I've been serving quite a bit lately and nobody else is doing this? You know, what, where's equality? You know, where's fairness in all these things? And as you think about the scriptures, you really, you know, there's, there's quite a de-emphasis in many situations on God's fairness and God's, you know, equity because it wasn't fair that Jesus had to go to the cross for our sins. Is that right? It doesn't seem as though, you know, God is... Is, is, is focused on my rights, my free time, my, my, you know, my things, as he is on God and what would honor him and glorify him. So he says, you know what? 
you and I are going to be uh, kind of default to the thinking of this world because we live in this world and so we're surrounded by the, by, by the thinking of this world. And so he says, I, I'd rather that you go back and renew your mind and approve or agree with God what is good, acceptable, and perfect. So the things that I'm going to mention here are things probably that you know, but, but, but our default is to go back to the way we do it here in the world, you know. Renew our mind that by testing, testing with the word of God, you may discern what the will of God is, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. And wouldn't you like to feel like at the end of your life that you did the will of God? I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't we, each one of us, we'd like to say, you know, I felt like I, I, I fouled, I messed up, you know, but I was, I was really pressing in to try and find out what God's perfect will was for my life, what God's good will was for my life, with the thing that he designed me for and what he's called me to. I want to be in step with that. I want to be in step with that all the way, you know. I think that all of us would like that, but, but what that's going to cost us is everything. It's going to, in one sense, it's going to cost us because it means you and I are going to have to die. Jesus said, if anyone's going to come after me, he's going to, he needs to take up a cross and die and follow me. And that's exactly what we will see if we look at the life of Jesus in the New Testament. What would fuel a desire to live such a life? Well, the way that we would be fueled to, to live that way is, is we just feel like God is more than enough for us. That God himself is so satisfying and being in his plan and being empowered by his spirit and giving that, having that grace is like, this is exactly what I should be doing because I have so much of Jesus and so much more of his strength and so much more of his pleasure that what I'm doing, it, it really, I'm really willing to do whatever he calls me to do. This is where, you know, in the Psalms it would say like, Selah, like stop and think about that for a second. The, the way that we will be willing to live what we're about ready to talk about, and the way that he talks about it is that we would say, in light of the blessing of God, in light of what he has done for me, in, in light of the filling and the satisfaction I have from him, oh my gosh, Jesus, what do you want me to do? And we've had a taste of that before, you know? Maybe, maybe when you first were in love with someone and you, you just felt so encouraged and so happy and so filled up. It's like everything you did for that person was like, sure, I'll do that. Get up early in the morning, oh yeah, I'll do that, you know? meet with you over there, come and pick you up, try and fix your car, whatever. You know, it's just like, yeah, I love you. And so I want to do all this thing. Well, that's what would fuel what he calls us to. And that's why it's so important that we regularly remind ourselves that, that this is not about earning our salvation. This isn't about earning, you know, eternal life. This is about a life that's been transformed by the love of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul, you know, is talking about the same thing in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, where he says, the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. 
He said, the thing that, that, that really causes me to want to lay down my life for other people, to give my life to other people, is that I've experienced the love of Jesus Christ. And because he died, he died for all, he's called me to follow him and to lay down my life and to give my life for him. You know, recently I came across an illustration. I hadn't thought about it for, for quite a while. Um, it's about a story of an elephant and a, and a rope. And uh, let me just read the story to you real briefly. As a man was passing elephants, he suddenly stopped, confused by the fact that these huge creatures were being held by only a small rope tied to their front leg. No chains, no cages. It was obvious that the elephant could at any time break away from their bonds, but for some reason they did not. He saw a trainer nearby and asked why these animals just stood there and made no attempt to get away. Well, said the trainer, when they were very young and much smaller, we used the same size rope to tie them, uh, to tie them up at that age. It was enough to hold them. And as they grew up, they were conditioned to believe that the rope can still hold them so that they'll never try to break free. So because they had been tied up like that when they were young, they never tried after a while. They just thought, I can't go anywhere. <laughs> I think that's how it is when, we, when we're kind of challenged with the Christian life. You know, as young believers, you know, we are challenged to lay down our life, to do sacrificial things. And maybe we made some attempt and we failed and we felt like, you know, we just can't do that. You know, that's just not the practical way to live the Christian life. And so as a result, when people give exhortations for you to sacrifice your life and give your life for many, you just say, well, you know, just can't do that. It's just not practical. Can't live my life like that. So we let that little rope that held us when we were just brand new Christians, when we really didn't believe God's promises to give us power in our weakness, when we didn't understand what it meant to live by faith, we let, we let our fears, we let our unbelief, we let our experience dictate that we're not gonna take any more risks. We're not gonna step out in faith like we used to. And so as a result, you know, this, this elephant has grown up. It's gotten bigger. It's matured. And so have you probably as a Christian. But because you're just used to kind of staying in the same place, operating by the same set of values, same set of rules, you say, I just can't live that way. That's not practical. It doesn't work for me. I've got good reasons why, why I can't do that anymore. And I would, I would challenge you, just like this, this elephant could have just pulled away and lived a, been free, that there's bonds and there's lies and there's fears and there's deceptions that we're operating on because years ago we failed or years ago we tried and it didn't work. And so we're saying, I'm not gonna try that anymore. And I'm, and I'm gonna urge you to stand on God's word because if he calls you, tells you to live a certain life, that's the good, acceptable, and perfect life for you and me. Now, we probably won't ever nail it like we want to. 
but we can be and will be transformed as we step out trusting the promises that God has made to us. Believing and understanding that weakness doesn't mean that you can't do things in the power of God. And service to God in your situation may seem like, Greg, you don't know my life, you don't know my schedule, you don't know my limitations, I'm not as young as I used to be anymore. And we have a litany of reasons why we can't live this way anymore. And we're bound by a little rope that God would call us, say no, the things I ask you to do, I will give you the grace to do those things. So after he calls us to serve because of this devotion to Jesus Christ, what does he specifically say in that context? Well, we move on in in Romans chapter 12, verse three, it says this, we serve because we're members of Christ's body. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Living as a, a, a living sacrifice of God, first of all, takes us to the, the reality and the fact that you are part of a body. You and I belong to one another. We belong to Christ, and Christ has placed us together in order to serve one another and to accomplish a mission together. Last week, when Brendan was sharing, he said, you know, it's like when we get back together, we're like, wow, I really need you. You know, during this time, I was thinking, hey, where's, my, where's that other limb of mine, you know? We have felt the loss of not having your care, your gift, your empowerment, your service, blessing us and working in us, building us up and serving and comforting us together. We have missed that because we've not been able to be together. And when we serve God and when we are a living sacrifice, one of the first applications right here is the reality that he has gifted you. He has called you. He has empowered you to use gifts that only you have or effects that only you have and experience that you have and passion that you have to be a part of caring for this flock and furthering his kingdom. And when we do not, when we don't make ourselves available for that, we all suffer. And the mission of God is hindered by that. And you might think, well, there's, there's other teachers, there's other people who are available. How about those young people, man? They got lots of time on their, you know, in their schedule. You know, how about them? And we, we, we have lots of reasons to defer ourselves, so to, to excuse ourselves from doing that which God has called us to do as living sacrifices because we cannot replace you. If God has placed you here, you have a function. You have a blessing to give. You have a purpose. And God calls you and calls me to acknowledge that and recognize that, that there's a deposit of God, the Holy Spirit, in you to do things that I can't do, staff can't do. Or if we can do it, it takes us away from doing all the other things that God would have us do. There's care that we're not receiving. There's ministry that's not happening. It goes on and says, 
verse six, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them in prophecy in proportion to our faith. There's people who have impressions who should be speaking to us, impressing what God is sharing in their spirit to us. If service in serving, we have lots of things. You know, there's things that we haven't been able to do. We, we uh, I'm not saying we, we, this was for us this year, but we had opportunity to once again serve at the, at the, uh, at the um, Perry Hall Fair again this year. We had two people, three people sign up. We, had, we need 40 people to sign up. Now, so this year, we're not gonna be doing that. We can't do that. And that's, that's okay. So I'm not, I'm not shaming you in that. I'm just saying that if we had had people who were available, we could, have, we could have made an impact in our community with that. But that's just one little thing. We, you and I know, you know, the gathering place has been kind of a, uh, uh, a log jam on us being able to have people back in church. We have lots of people want to come back, but they said, there's no place for my kids yet. And so we can't, we can't have everybody back because of that. You know, there's other ministry opportunities that we're missing, and, we, and, we, and maybe God's saying this year, we're not gonna do that, and that's okay. But I'm just saying that there's a, there's a direct response of what we do and don't do because of people serving in this body or not able to serve in this body. So there's service, teaching. We were just talking this, this, this week as pastors. It's like we really, really, really need some more leaders and teachers for a number of things that we feel like God would have us do. Our small group leaders, we, we need small group leaders right now. We don't have many people in the pipeline. We've got people who want to get in groups, and groups are getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and it kind of changes the way that we can serve each other in those situations. Um, in exhortation, those who exhort... He says, to those who contribute in generosity, thank you for your generosity. Uh, with those who lead, lead with zeal, and those who do acts of mercy with cheerfulness. We, we have many, many gaps right now. Many gaps. Because of the season and time we're in, in part, but also because some of us have gotten used to not serving. Some of us think that it's not really necessary for us to serve. Some people think that it's someone else's turn to serve. I don't know. I don't know what the reasons are. You know, I'm not trying to, I, and when, please, if I see you, you know, don't, don't start off with ex, explaining to me why you do or don't serve. So don't do that. I'm speaking very broadly here. I'm thinking the best of you, even though I may ask you, what's up? But we... Let, let, let me just, once again, you have been empowered, gifted by God to serve with us in this mission and to serve this church, and we need you to do that. We do. And then it goes on from there. It says, we serve because we choose to love beyond our pride, comfort, and, and preferences. It says, let love be genuine, Abhor what's evil, hold fast to what's good. I, I think it's wrong to serve under compulsion. I do. I, I really want you to serve in joy and faith and really believing that you know, God would have me do this and so forth. But it says, let love be genuine. I, I think it's, it's sad if people said, well, I did my rotation this, this month. You know? <laughs> I took my turn. You know? and, I, and I think that 
our service to one another needs to be in love. I mean, we, we're serving each other not because it's our turn or because they really need us to do this, which is true, but how sad that is when, you, when, you, when you're surrounded by people who are only taking their turn. You know, when people only serve when it's their day to serve, you know, versus people serving you because they love you. They see the opportunity, they see the need, they, they care about you, they wanna, they wanna step in and, and come alongside you. And so, you know, we serve not just because we should be doing that, we serve because we care about each other, we love each other, we see, we see the opportunity and we care for each other. And it says, let love be genuine. I don't, we don't want this to be just uh, recruiting or service that's just because it's our, it's our turn. And it goes on from there, love one another with brotherly affection. You know, there, there, there should be a, a family atmosphere, you know, among God's people where we just, we see someone in need, we see someone hurting, we see someone needing help, and we, and we care about that. That moves us. I love this next one, outdo one another in showing honor. You know, I just think that, you know, we honor each other when we step in and we serve. We, we honor one another. Now, I, I don't know how realistic this is. I think it would be, I think it would be a very powerful testimony, you know, if our kids would say, hey, I know it's your turn to, to do the dishes today, but could I do that for you? I really want to do your dishes today. You know, and how about next week too? I'd like to do that also. Or just do it when they don't even know. Like the dishes are there and come in behind them, you know, before they have a chance to do it and just honor them, bless them, do their work for them, you know, clean the... Clean the area that they were supposed to clean. What would that do? That would be like, your mom and dad would be like falling down before God. Maybe there'd be like spiritual gifts being poured out at that moment, you know. Uh, that would just be, and, but outdo one another in honor is a biblical thing. It's a biblical thing. You know, Jesus said, look, it's okay to compete on being a servant. It's okay. You know, he said, if you want to be great, then you gotta serve. And if you wanna be the greatest, you gotta be the biggest servant. You gotta be the biggest servant. So what an amazing thing that would be, because we do have some really amazing servants in this church. We really, really, really do. And there are people already scrambling behind us right now, making sure that they pick up whatever they see or do what they, needs to be done. But outdo one another in honor. Wouldn't that be a good value to build in our homes, husbands? You know, if you, if you come home tired and you know your wife is tired and you're thinking, yeah, but I've been working all day. Yeah, but so is she, you know. And maybe she just got home from her job too. Or maybe she's been on the computer all day or whatever. Outdo one another in honor. It's, it's not like rocket science, but it is dying to yourself, isn't it? It's being a living sacrifice. And who would, who would even think about doing that? Well, it would have to be a Jesus follower, because that's what he was doing. That's how he lived his life. I'll do one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Serving, serving the Lord, you know, Colossians 3 says, in verse 23, 24, whatever you do, it's not on your outline. It's not on the screen. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for man, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. 
you are serving the Lord Jesus. Your service, when you start doing this, when you live this way or you continue doing this, you're not just doing it for the people in this room. You're not just doing it for the people in your home. You, you're, your spirit-empowered service is to God. You're a living sacrifice. In light of the mercy of God, you're saying, Lord, how can I, what else can I do today? How else can I bless people? And so when we live that way, you know, we are serving, it looks like we're serving one another. It looks like we're serving our kids, but we're serving Jesus. And you know what he says? He's gonna pay attention to that. And he will reward you for that. He even watches when you, you know, you offer a cup of water to somebody. You know, he's keeping track of all those things and he will make sure that on that day you will be rewarded for everything you've done for his name, for his glory. But here it says, don't be slothful in zeal. So when I think about sloth, I think about the, the Proverbs and I think about the sluggard, okay? So the sluggard, here we got Homer. Homer looks like a sluggard to me, you know. Sorry, Homer. Sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He's too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. So he's, he's even too lazy to feed himself. He's got the food right there and he won't even put it in his mouth. And so you think, yeah, well, that's not me because I don't lay down and I don't have that much time for that and stuff like that. So maybe you're this. Maybe you're, you're this next one. Maybe you're Garfield. You know, I can, but I won't. <laughs> I could do what you just asked me to do, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that because... Uh, I've got good reasons to, you know. My good reasons, you know, could be, you know, it's not convenient to me right now. I've already served. Uh, it's not what I want to do. Um, you know, it's not my turn. And you don't know my situation. I've already put in a lot of da- time. I've already worked really hard, and so you don't know. You don't know me. You don't know my situation. And, but the thing about the, the, the sluggard, they're more wise in their own eyes than, someone, than seven people who give a really smart answer. So they have their own smart answer, and they have a reason why, but they just, it really comes down to, I don't want to really, I really don't want to die right now. I don't want to die to what I'm doing. This is my time. This is my thing. I came across this book recently, the title of this book, And it says this, it says, Busy for Self, Lazy for God, by Nam Jun Kim. And it says it's meditations on Proverbs for diligent living. And I think that that may relate to some of us. You know, we think we're really busy, but we're really busy for self. We're really busy for ourselves, And we're lazy towards God. So, you know, we, we are busy. Our life is, we're up late. We're getting up early. We got things going on. You know, but a lot of those things are really for me. And so maybe, maybe the current day, you know, um, sluggard might look more like this. So this is the current day sluggard. <laughs> Not laying on the couch like Homer was, but, you know, got the music going, checking the phone, watching the TV show, got a lot of things going. And the reality is, you're lazy for God, perhaps. You're lazy for being a servant. You're busy, yeah. Got a lot of things going on. A lot of that stuff could be possibly for yourself. Now again, please don't think that I'm looking at you and I'm thinking, you know, you're watching your phone or you're doing things like that or you're playing a game, you know. To my grandkids who are in this room, sorry about that. You know, I'm not, I'm not, 
not calling out anybody right now, but I would, I would ask that the Holy Spirit, you know, work in our hearts and say, look, are you serving me or is most of your service really for yourself? So we come back to our big idea, which is living for Jesus means we love and serve as people. And very practically, there are a lot, a lot, a lot of opportunities in your house, but let me just talk about Sunday here at church, okay? Sunday here at church, we have holes. We have opportunities. We have, we have things that we really need to staff for people's safety and for care of, of the people who are here in the church. Um, and I think that I would ask each of you, you know, to, to ask God as you look at this list, because there's, there's things here that are, like, easier than others and more in your gift kind of line of things that you do. But, you know, we, we, need, we need to staff our grace kids, you know. We have a nursery that needs some helpers still. And I, shout out to those people who have been serving for weeks now and months, you know. Um, but we need some helpers. That means not adults, but some, some, some older kids who are, who are not uh, adults yet who could help us out, you know, in the nursery. We have preschool. We're just kind of getting started with that, but we, we really have, we need 13 teachers and seven helpers there. In the elementary, we need nine teachers. It takes more time to teach, by the way, in preparation, because you got to do some study outside. You got to do some lesson planning and things like that. And you think, you don't know how much my lesson plan is. Well, welcome to dying. You know, some of you need to die. <laughs> Sorry. If you're gifted, if you're gifted, we want the benefit of your gifts here too. We want the benefit of your gifts here. We don't want it just for your kids. Thanks for doing it with your kids, but just, that's not enough. There, we need your gifts. If you're gifted in that, and even if you're not gifted in that, if you love people, if you love our kids, there's opportunities there, you know. Guardians, those are people who go around and make sure that we're safe and the kids are safe. Ushers, we have. Uh, Grace Cafe, we're opening that up. We have, we, that's a way of serving our people as well. Prayer partners, these are people who pray through our services. Most of these are like once a month kinds of things or a, or, or a few weeks on and several weeks, several weeks off. Uh, we need sound person, tech people. Some of you have, you think, man, I'm not good enough. I don't know enough about these things. We'll train you. We'll help you. Video programming director, we need that as well. You know, we're doing a lot more tech kinds of things. People who take pictures and are good at that. Set and lighting design, you know, we need help with that. We need some creative people in there. We need some gifted people there. We just need some help in some of these areas. The fact is, we're family, and we help. We, we step up, we serve, we care about each other. You know, we find ways to, to learn. Uh, we use our gifts. And I want to encourage you. That list is not for me to look at, by the way, only. <laughs> you know, I need to look at and see if there's anything else there I should be doing. But listen, I, I, I'm sharing this with you because I want you to be rich in heaven. I do. I want people of God serve, but I want, you to, I want you to experience what's good, acceptable, and perfect. What's good, acceptable, and perfect is for you to be involved in serving the body of Christ and be a part of this mission together. Next slide. I want you to break free. <laughs> if, you've, if you've had an excuse in your mind for a reason why you can't do this, I want you to ask God if that's really a legitimate reason. 
if that's really legitimate. I don't want you to let your thinking and your influences of your past to stop you from stepping out because I really believe this is why we are, this is why we are, this is what we're designed for. We're designed to be living sacrifices, pleasing to God, your reasonable service of worship to God. And you, you may need to cut other things out of your life, but don't cut the things, if, don't you cut your eternal purposes that God has called you to. Don't cut those things because we need you and we need your service. I'm gonna have the worship team start to come on up. Let's look at this next slide. We serve because he first served us. This is not something that God calls us to do that he himself is not willing to do. I wanna read a very familiar section to you as we're gonna be preparing just a few moments to take communion together. But, let, but look, at, look at the heart and look at the life of Jesus. This is, this is, this is hours before he was gonna spend the whole night up being beaten, slandered, deserted, marred more than any man has ever been marred, you know, in preparation for going to the cross and then crucified and rejected by his, rejected by his, and left by his father to be crucified with nobody there to support him, with nobody to support him. So don't tell me you have a busy schedule, okay? (laughs) Because... Think about this. Think about this. This is very practical. Think about who this is and what he's doing for us and what he's doing. And this is a picture. This is, this is just the, this is the preliminary part before he actually took on himself. He took our sin on himself. So even before that, his guys won't serve. His guys are thinking of their excuses why they shouldn't serve. So nobody's washing anybody's feet and they should have had their feet washed before this service together, before this, this meal together they're gonna have. And so nobody's doing it. And I don't know that that was Jesus' primary gift is to wash feet. I don't think so. But he saw that it needed to be done. So look at, look at, his, look at, his, look at his life. He came to Simon Peter and said to him, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, what I'm doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Jesus said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and head. Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew what he, who was gonna betray him. That is why he said, not all of you are clean. Now he's about ready to wash your feet, but he's not talking about washing feet here. He's talking about, he's talking about saving them. When he's, when he's taking on this, this towel and he's about ready to wash your feet, he really is very, very prophetically and symbolically saying, this is what I'm about to do for you. I am going to take your sin on my body so that you could be clean. And I'm gonna experience the wrath of my father, and I'm gonna be separated for the first time ever in eternity from my father. That's what I'm doing for you right now. And so if I've done that for you, you you are clean, you're clean. And so that's the first part of this illustration he's given to him. There's, there's 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 one that's talking about our salvation, but he moves it back to what's going on too, and he says this. 
in verse 12, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord and you're right for so I am. If I then the Lord and the teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Nobody else can die for your sins. So he's not talking about dying on the cross. He's talking about washing feet. He's talking about a dirty job. He's talking about a, a humbling job, a job that nobody else would pick up. You ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do just as I've done for you. You should do, I'm giving you an example that you should do just as I've done for you, he said. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know this, these things, blessed are you if you do them. Anything he's asked you to do and I, I to do, even though it seems hard, you'll be blessed. You will experience an intimacy with Christ. You experience a closeness with Christ. You experience power that you don't have. He said, you call me teacher and Lord, and I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, tell you to do this. You know, he switched, his, he switched the order there. He said, I'm a teacher. You think I'm just a teacher, and if you understand it, you're gonna do it, okay? If you could kind of make sense of it. You call me teacher, and then, I'll, then you'll follow me. He said, no, 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 I'm the Lord and the teacher. You, you should be following me even if you don't understand. You should, be, you should be prompted by me, and you should be obeying, and then you, many times, will get your understanding later. So he's Lord. He's our Lord. If you know these things, he said, you're not blessed if you know these things. You're blessed if you do these things, if you live this way. And so I, I'm jealous for God that we would be a people supernaturally empowered, supernaturally filled, and, and and, and moving out of a, a, a passion because we have a savior who has bought us, purchased us. It says the son of man came to seek and to save that which is lost. He didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And that's what we're gonna celebrate here together.